I don't have any fire stories like that. I have oh, a real any story. Fire stories. And then another time, we like to celebrate Guy Fawkes Day in my group of friends because, you okay. know, we're nerds. Yeah. And the first time we burnt Guy Fawkes in an actual fireplace. Okay. And then our junior year, we didn't have a fireplace because we lived in off-campus apartments. So we just had a fake Guy Fox and burnt him in the middle of a uh, parking lot full of cars. And then the cops were driving by and we all ran and left the smoldering Guy Fox in the middle of the <laughs> Maybe I'll bring the Orlando City Magnet to our next Black and Red United tailgate and one of you can burn it. I mean... I've burned some stuff before. I'll probably do it again. I believe in, 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 in lot eight. Yeah. Uh, I my normal tailgate. Um, he, my friends would bring these like miniature grills, and he kept they kept being stolen because it's just a grill sitting out, and someone will eventually take it from you. So he just started bringing uh, bricks in a grate, and you just set the bricks in a circle, put the grate on top of the bricks, and yeah. you grill, and then your grate is hot. People don't want to take it, uh, and no one wants to just walk around with bricks in their hands, so it except, never gets stolen. Except you when you're. Ready to build a stadium at any given moment. No, I've got I've got actual clean bricks for that that haven't been used to block in a fire pit yet. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, I guess we should actually start the podcast. Uh, goat, goat, welcome, goat. Uh, this is filibuster, Black and Red United podcast. Uh, we've chased Adam away once again. Uh, he's off doing things with other people instead of us. Um. We have shame on him, and this is his, and listening to this yes. is his punishment. Let us let us know via our our email address filibusterpodcast at gmail dot com what you think of Adam ducking out on us once again. Um, we have uh, many many games to talk about because uh, the MLS schedule is designed to destroy DC United and all, all of those that near are near it, um, as well as the U.S. Open Cup, as well as the women's national team as well as the men's national team, if we even get to that. Um, yeah. this, this podcast could go on for like eight hours. Um, but instead of whining about it anymore, uh, I think I'll just move on to our customary beginning. Leanne, you're subbing in for Adam. What are you drinking? Um, well, as seems to be so often the case, there's only one type of alcohol in my apartment, and that is Three Black Chuck from Trader Joe's. So I think tonight it's Sauvignon Blanc, which okay. is really fancy. Oui. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. That'll do. Um, I, I drank an entire bottle of wine on the show not too long ago, and it was a dumb thing to do, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Okay. But I, in my defense, <laughs> I was also like a last-minute addition, so I didn't have time to go purchase something better. Right. Hashtag for Adam. That's true. Uh, Hashtag for Adam. Well, also, Ben and I both assumed the other person was going to email you and thus did not contact you until, like, an hour and a half before the the show started. So um, I guess for everyone is the (laughs) the new hashtag. Um, Ben, what are you drinking? I also decided to go simple and uh, to my typical drinking situation. Um, I just went with bourbon and ginger ale. And it's Evan Williams bourbon, Evan Williams green label, nothing fancy. Mm. I don't waste fancy on ginger ale. Yeah, we're gonna mix it. No, uh, you've got some fancy things. I've got some fancy things. I mean, yeah. I've, I, I, unlike most people, have actually run the gamut. I've had fancy things, and I've had straight shots of vodka. Yeah, yeah. I think Adam's definitely the fanciest. I don't think he's like I've had like High Life or Natty Bow. 
on my on on my end. So I think Adam's definitely the fanciest. Uh, I don't think he's had anything. I think the worst thing he's ever had on the show is like Yingling. Yeah, Adam is definitely the fanciest. Yes. Uh, I am also. I also went actually pretty similar to Ben. It's not a mixed drink. Uh, it's just uh, Evan Williams single barrel uh, on uh, two rocks. So actual I, rocks or ice cubes? No, uh, ice cubes. My, a friend of mine actually bought those whiskey rocks. He thought it was gonna be an awesome idea, and we tried they it suck. one night. No, they suck because what happens is as soon as you're done with them, you have to like wash them. And they're not. Again. And they don't get your drink very cold. No, no, they're the not really effective at the job. Like. A little, a little bit of water actually helps uh, with whiskey in some cases. It helps open the flavors up a little bit. Uh, whiskey rocks don't do that. They're just sort of a cold-ish object that you put in your drink rather than an effective way to cool your drink. Um, don't buy them unless you're going to, like, give them to someone you don't like and trick them. Well, into... my sister gave them to her husband. But Does I she not like him? Heard... <laughs> well, I thought she liked him. I mean, I don't know. I think I haven't heard if... He's used. I don't know. I have no idea if he likes them. I did like the way they they looked appealing. They're getting divorced tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) This is this show has suddenly taken a sad turn. Um, Let's uh, we'll talk about happier things. Um, DC United played two games last week. They won both. Um, The first game uh, was up in Pittsburgh. Uh, They won in the U.S. Open Cup's fourth round, three-one over the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. the game was a little unnecessarily complicated. They ended up having to go to extra time, but uh, in the end, they pretty pretty thoroughly deserved to win. The last hour of the game was all all DC. Um, Facundo Coria scored his first goal for United uh, on what might be the easiest goal he'll ever score. He just had to uh, let the ball contact him and and go about a foot over the line. Um, Kofi Opare scored the eventual game winner about 90 seconds into the extra time period on a header from a corner. Um, Coria's goal also on a corner, and then Nick DeLeon scored the probably the best goal of the night uh, it, just before the end of the first half of overtime. Uh, Pittsburgh's goal came on a penalty kick that Opare had given up, so he kind of made up for it with the goal. Um, I know you guys uh, have thoughts on the Open Cup game. Maybe I don't know. Well, I have like no thoughts because I didn't I didn't watch it. Okay, it was my birthday, and I was doing other things. Um, but I do consider the win a gift for me, personally, me specifically. Um, That's a good way to look at it. Yeah, I have I have no thoughts really, except that I'm glad we won, and let's win the next one. That's yes, okay. Those are like all my thoughts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it it was not as bad of a performance as the naysayers want to make it out to be. I mean, it's a team that has literally, those players have literally not played together at all this season. It was... Yes. A completely as, unfamiliar lineup. Yeah, and it was all of the backups that Ben Olsen could possibly fit onto a field. Right. Out of and, necessity. Well, yeah, of course. I, I don't blame him for it, obviously, and that's what most MLS teams do. And we got to see some good things. We got to see Facundo Coria play well, and hopefully in this upcoming season of disaster, uh, he will get some starts and uh, continue to play well. And it was good to see Kofi Apare out there again, even if he gave up a stupid penalty. And it's a good way to... Test your depth. I love seeing Jalen Robinson out there. I want to see him get some MLS minutes soon. Um, and sure, it took 
it took to extra time, but Pittsburgh is a pretty good USL team, and the USL completely blew out the NASL in the round before, so they're nothing to be taken lightly. They, so, they knocked out all seven of the of the seven games that were USL versus NASL. The USL uh, won six outright, and then the seventh they advanced on penalties. Exactly. So, yeah. so even though they're the, quote, third division, they're nothing right. to be taken lightly. They Most of them are playing their full-strength teams, yeah. Um, and so it's a good win when you consider who Ben Olsen played and who the Pittsburgh Riverhounds played. Yeah, um, and, and it was interesting to see uh, United play. United ended up playing a, um, a 4-1-3-2. Luis Silva was playing attacking midfield, um, though he and Correa often switched spots um, as the game went on. Um so that was something that, that people want to see a little more of. Um, a lot of fans don't want to see the two defensive midfielder set up um, whenever they can get away with it because it does make for more attack-minded soccer to, to play that extra attacking player. Um, this was more of a necessity. Um, United just didn't have two holding midfielders to, to play this game um, if they wanted to rest Kitchen and Arnaud, which they did. Um, Marcus Halsty was playing center back, so... Um, yeah, I would say um, the fir- the first portion of the game was pretty good, and then Pittsburgh had their best stretch, you know, for the last half of the second half. And uh, by the hour mark, United kind of took control of the game. Pittsburgh tired out, and from there, it was sort of a uh, maybe the 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 second portion of overtime became Pittsburgh getting a lot of balls in the box. But other than that, it, it was not really um, a big challenge. Um, the I will say that because um, I went to the game, I was at Highmark Stadium. It's a pretty nice place to watch a game. Um, it's definitely it's a small venue. It's it's only it seats like four thousand with it. They had four thousand people there, and that was with standing room only, which they normally don't do along the the river side of the stadium. And by riverside, I mean like there's a small pathway, and then there, there's a river. Um, so it's a, it's a nice view. Um, the beer is is cheap, and you can get Yingling Black and Tan on draft for like seven dollars, which is pretty awesome. Um, they had a few other uh, canned, um, large can, like sixteen ounce cans that were eight dollars. So um, you have a good array of cheap cheap stadium beer. Um, the fans were mostly. Uh, the, the, I would say the people in Riverhounds gear were in favor of their team, but not like jerks about being. The visitors. The only jerks were people in like general Pittsburgh sports gear. Um, so if you saw someone in a Penguins jersey, big surprise uh, for all of our Caps fans. Uh, and uh, there was a guy in a Pirates jersey who thought he was very clever. He was not, but uh, he is not representative of the Riverhounds as as a fan base. Um, so that was pretty fun. Um, it it does uh, a drive up there does involve uh, twenty six dollars in tolls in Pennsylvania. Uh, so watch out for that. And it, also, does, it doesn't. If you know how to go, it does not involve the turnpike. I, there are I, also a lot of tolls in Florida. You can just go. You can just yeah, go through true. West. You can just go through Western Maryland into West Virginia and then turn north. Yeah, Jason. I don't drive. To, I've never literally. I to get to the stadium was the first time I had ever been in Pittsburgh at all. I've been near Pittsburgh a few times, but I've never actually been to Pittsburgh until I took I took a exit off of the highway to get on a bridge to go across to the stadium to get, to get from Ohio to DC, which is where uh, some of my family lived for a long time. Mm-hmm. We would drive to Pittsburgh and then deliberately drive around Pittsburgh into West Virginia and Western Maryland specifically to avoid the turnpike. 
Wow. Well, something to note. I mean, I will say that other than the, like, nerve-wracking attempts to get around 18-wheelers in the rain, uh, because the 18-wheelers were uh, on half halfway into your lane, um, other than that, it was a fine drive. It's just you have to and pay... And the $26. Right. It's $13.25 uh, each way to go Wait, from... Wait, it's actually 26 to... It's not you weren't exaggerating for effect. It's actually no, 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 $26. No, no. It's 13, 13 from Breezewood, Pennsylvania, to the exit you take to go to Pittsburgh, um, and then it's thirteen twenty-five on the what? way. Yeah, I know this is a diversion, but anyone who's ever been to Breezewood, Pennsylvania, will agree. What the hell is up with that? Uh, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, for those that don't know, is a uh, collection of restaurants and gas stations and hotels for truckers. Um, there are plenty but, of places to stop, but, but it's specifically if you're trying to get onto what is it two seventy. To go back towards DC, I think it's seventy and seventy, and then seventy you connect to two seventy in yeah. Frederick. But to get off the turnpike to go towards DC, it specifically takes you off the interstate onto secondary streets to drive you past all yes. of these businesses, and they there, refuse to connect the interstate there yes, because it would bring all of these businesses out of jobs. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and there's also actually a small stretch of road while you're driving up where you are technically on. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was 70 west slash 30 east is the road that you're on for like a quarter of a mile before you get turned back onto 70 again. And there's a stoplight on an interstate. You're, te- you're temporarily on a road that is both east and west, which uh, is not it's not good to think about too much because you might lose your mind. Um, but we should anyway, probably move all, move away. Yes, from, we're, we're moving on from. Oh, we're starting a road trip podcast. The the, ner- the nerdery of the U.S. interstate highway system. Yes. Um, anyway. Uh, I guess the last thing I would say about the game is that, like Ben, uh, I liked what I saw from Jalen Robinson. I'd like to see him get more time, uh, and I think he will because Sean Franklin was at the last game that we're about to talk about in a boot to protect his uh, his ankle injury. So at some point, United is going to have to rotate. Uh, you can't just play Corb and Kemp for every single game because eventually they'll die um, because that's how many games DC United is having to play in the – well, actually, they're already in the, the – uh, the thick of it, it already started. Um, the first game of this uh, five games in 13-day span, it was the New England, uh, the game against New England, the 2-1 win. Uh, Charlie Davies scored 10 minutes in, uh, and then United eventually mounted a comeback despite the uh, punishing heat and humidity. Uh, Chris Rolfe scored on a volley from uh, Fabian Espindola chip, and then Miguel Aguilar won a penalty kick in the uh, was it the 81st minute or the 80th minute that Rolf converted after a brief discussion with Espindola. Um, this took United back atop the Supporter Shield standings. Uh, it put a seven-point gap between United and everyone else in the MLS or the MLS's Eastern Conference, not the MLS Stern. I don't know what, what that was going to turn into, um, but uh, it was it was a, uh, a a strong comeback win from a character perspective, but. Uh, Leanne, I'll start with you. Maybe not. Um, maybe not the start to a game that, or maybe a common start, but not something we want to see over and over again forever. Yeah, it does seem like a common start. I feel like, and this is probably inaccurate, but I feel like every game we've played lately, we've given up a goal um, first. And it's like comeback win wins are fun when we win. You know, when we come back and win, but it starts out not so fun, and it was very hot and terrible. So. Um, I felt like the team wasn't playing that well. The I felt like the stands were very kind of down on everything um, because of that. And so it wasn't really until the second half that 
well, once Rolf scored, obviously, and things kind of picked up, and then it wasn't so terrible. Um, but I, yeah, I'm kind of sick of giving up these early goals. I don't know. It's I, I don't like that happening at all. It, it has been going on. Three of the last four home games have involved uh, giving up the first goal in the first half hour. And the one time that didn't happen, United had taken the lead in that time and then lost. So, so it's, yeah, and it's, it's kind of, it's like encouraging, I guess, that in a lot of cases we can come back and end up winning. But it's kind of, so like that, I guess, is a good thing on the kind of offensive side. But then if defensively we're always giving up these goals, you know, obviously sometimes that means that we lose games or maybe we tie games. Um, and that's not great, Bob. Yeah, uh, it's not um, not necessarily a sustainable model. You, you, soccer is not really a high-scoring sport. You don't really give up the first goal and come back often. It's, United's record in that situation is actually a positive. It is a winning record, but that's not really how you do things um, normally. That's not it's not a normal thing to do. It's it's an outlier. It's sort of like this is great for now, but it's not really. Uh, this might actually dovetail nicely with our Women's World Cup discussion that's coming up later in the show. Uh, another team that is uh, maybe not getting everything right, but is still winning games. On but I don't want to bum, I'll bum you guys out with that later. Go I ahead. I would rather give up an early goal and then come back and win than score first and be leading and then give up a late goal and lose. I feel like I feel like that's probably going to be pretty popular. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it's like it's like controversial opinion, but yes, uh, very hot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> break, break, breaking, Leanne would rather win than lose. Just saying, so, if you're going to give up goals, at least do it to begin with. Don't do it at the end. Unless you're winning, like, 10-0. Or 7-0. Or that. I mean, it would be nice to win, uh, to be winning 7-0 at some point. That would be fun, too. Um, ben, I'm going to go uh, go your way now. Uh, Fabian Espindola and his... Um, hot streak with assists rather than goals. Um, just generally, what are you making of, of Fabi's play right now uh, in conjunction with the rest of the team and, and on his own? Um, I think it's more sustainable probably than what he did last year. I mean, his goal-scoring streak last year was uh, great. I mean, it wasn't really out of line with what he's normally done, but it just seemed that whenever we needed a uh, clutch goal, he was there to provide when he wasn't injured. Uh, but him being a provider is probably a more sustainable uh, outcome, and his goals will come. I mean, he's still gonna uh, he's still gonna get to nine, ten, eleven goals this year. So I'm not worried about that. But the fact that he is providing so early and so often is a good sign for this team. And it is we won't talk about the fact that. Um, while he was out, there wasn't really many other people providing, at least the second time around. But um, I think the fact that he's providing on both sides of the ball, uh, the assists and the goal scoring, is a good sign for DC United. Yeah, uh, definitely. Since uh, It's interesting to watch because I think teams even know what's coming to a certain extent. Espino has always been an unpredictable player, but they always... At a certain point, you know that he's good at getting to the end line and floating the ball to the back post. Right. Um, I mean, that, that goal, he, that the Chris, the Chris Rolf goal, the first, like the one from the run of play, mm-hmm. that 
they should have been the revolution should have been able to knock that down. I mean, uh, a spindle shouldn't have been able to get that cross off, and Rolf shouldn't have been able to fade back from his man and get that free. But they're both just that good that they were able to do so. Yeah, and and to a certain extent, there are there are players in MLS that you know what they're going to do and they succeed anyway. Um, and that's always been the case. I mean, um, maybe the most notorious ever was Preki. Um, having one move uh, to cut back to his one good foot and then shoot or make a pass, and yet he always managed to succeed with it and was playing at 41 and playing. He wasn't just there at 41. He was actually a starter for his team. So um, Espinola is an unpredictable player in some ways, but he still has this um, ability to always get into these spots where he can make that sort of pass where it's it's a cross, but it's not a conventional cross where he's not hitting it uh over distance, he's not having to drive his foot through it. It's always a uh, more of a chip, um, and he's always finding a target. He's not just getting his head down and hope, hope, you know whipping one in and hoping that someone gets to it. He's always aiming it at someone specifically. Um, and and teams probably write it on their whiteboard before they go out. They say, "Don't let a spindle get to the end line and make this play," and he does it anyway. Or um, we also see things like him. Um, He's not necessarily a skillful dribbler in a showy way, but he always manages to get past whoever is trying to stop him. He still manages to – sometimes he just sort of bullies his way past them. Uh, they don't fall for the move, and he just sort of pushes them out of the way, and he gets called for fouls about half the time. But um, half the time in that scenario is still a acceptable ratio because if you don't get called for a foul, all of a sudden you're in behind, you're in the box. Um, so uh, it's it's been pretty, pretty good to see. It would be nice to see um, – some of the providers on the team, you know, turn turn around so that Espindola is also getting uh, his chances to score. But um, I I don't think I get the feeling he doesn't really care as long as the team is winning. Um, if he only gets five goals this year, but ends up with you know among the league, I mean, he's on pace right now to get the most assists in the league by far. If he if he plays every game for the rest of the season, um, his assists per minutes played ratio is outrageous. It's right, like, and he's, and he's it's already guaranteed. Out. It's like one per game, like yeah. every game. And he's already been out half the season. Right. Um, we're talking about a guy who's played a lot less, and he's still – I think I think he's tied for fourth in the league already with assists, despite the lack of time he's played. So um, we'll continue – and he'll continue to get corner kicks as well, which this team is very good at. Um, two – yes, well, one of the – or no, two of the goals from a, against Pittsburgh were corner kick goals. And I think going into that game we had three – it was like three out of four – three out of the last four goals had been corners before that. So And if and – um, if- if Birdbaum ever gets his headers on point, the team will become even more lethal. Yeah, um, which, which uh, you know, he's going to get there. I, you get into those spots often enough. Um, his senior year in college, he scored, like, 12 goals or something, and I think three or four of them were penalty kicks. But for a center back playing uh, um, the whole season there, not playing any emergency striker or anything, that's a ridiculous goal-scoring total. Yeah. Um, so, Magic of Birdbaum. Yeah, hashtag... Bird bomb. We are saying bird bomb, the, the a bird and an explosion. Just to be 100% clear, <laughs> uh, we're not saying his name, and you're like, are they saying bird bomb or burn bomb? No, we are actually saying bird bomb. Oh, my God. If it was just hashtag burn bomb, it would be the stupidest hashtag ever. Right. I would be ashamed to have come up with that. Because I wouldn't true. have come up with it. I would have just been saying No, you like, never would have thought of, like, let me hashtag this guy's last name without changing it at all. Um, that's not really a reference or clever. It's just putting a pound sign in front of someone's name. Um, but that's a lot of hashtags. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, but, like, 
on the plot, but like Bird Bomb is genius. Clear, clearly. Um, it is an exploding bird or a bird that has bombs. It could go any number of ways. Um, yeah, I don't really know. It, it could matter. be any of them. Um, just let, just let your whatever mind, you want it to be. Just let your imagination run wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can let us know, or maybe you can uh, Photoshop what you think uh, Bird Bomb is and send it to us on on Twitter. We will definitely appreciate it, just like when you send us your goat references, which. We pretty much, at this point, get at least one goat thing every week, regardless of whether we ask for it or not. And we always retweet it, so send yes. us anything and we will retweet it. Um, we're, we're also we're, we're clearly making progress on this front because Eddie Johnson recently uh, discussed what he did with Goat Simulator, um, which is a thing uh, where you get to simulate life as a goat, and he was playing that. For, for reasons that I don't understand, I'm not judging him. Uh, if he wants to play Goat Simulator, that's awesome. I just did not expect to see He's any, obviously a listener. any former, current, or future DC United players to be playing Goat Simulator, uh, much less telling us about it. So I'm wait, just wait, surprised. Wait, you don't think I'm going to be a future DC United player? Uh, probably not. Um, are you currently playing soccer? That doesn't matter. I'm playing Goat Simulator. He's living okay. the dream. Um, you might, I, I, you never know. Uh, I, I feel like you got to get on a field at some point. So, <laughs> a, go, a goat pasture? That's my advice. Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know if that's where the, the scouting the scouting team is sent uh, to scout just a goat field and see, like, well, well, just wait there and see what happens and then report back. Like, well, these goats ate some grass off the ground. They probably would eat more than grass, though. They would eat, like, everything in sight. Tin cans. Yeah. But, I mean, if it's a regular field, there's probably not much there other than grass. Because where that field is. That's true. Kurt, Kurt Morsink, if you're listening, please tell us what goat fields you're currently scouting. Yeah, let, let us know so we can, you know, send someone out to write about it um, for, the, for the site. Because that's much to Adam's chagrin. That's something that the rest of us are interested in. Um, moving on, uh, we mentioned United's uh, travels. I actually have looked up some statistics uh, to emphasize this to everyone. Wait, wait, but hold up. Before your statistics, let me just okay. remind the, re- the listeners. DC United played this past Sunday. Yes. They play on Wednesday. They yes. play on Saturday. They play on Tuesday. They play on Friday. That's right. That is a weird schedule, and it's coming. And then uh, they're off for basically two weeks. Yeah. Uh, in July, they'll play one game in a stretch of, like, three and a half weeks. Um, Which is good, because they will have played, like, twice yeah. as many games well, as the Montreal Impact. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Um, so, United, other than the LA Galaxy, United has played more games than everyone. They've played 18. The Galaxy have played 18. Uh, only three clubs have played 17. Everyone else has played two fewer or more than two fewer. Uh, Mon- Montreal has played, what, six fewer? Montreal has Montreal played, has played like fewer, three but, games all season. Well, that, that's what's what uh, the the next thing is. Uh, in all competitions, United has played 21 games, 18 in MLS, two in the Champions League, one in the Open Cup. Montreal has played 20. They're second because they have six Champions League games and two Canadian Cup games uh, to pad their uh, their total of 12 MLS games. They've only played 12. Um, so. In in every sense, United has played more games than everyone else. Um, and we are in a league in which there are teams that have, like, 13, 14 games played. And United is playing ha- has played 18 and is now about to play four games in uh, 
basically the span of like six hours. Um, the games will actually overlap. The other team will the the team in the second game will just join the game in progress, I guess, and they'll have to tabulate goals that way. Um, I, it's going to turn into chaos, I think. Um, the training schedule uh, that United is up against is kind of ridiculous. Um, they travel today. They traveled to uh, Chicago. They're already there. They trained in the morning. Um, they play the fire tomorrow night. They then travel again the next day. They train in Toronto. They play the, a game the next day. They travel again. They train once. They play a game, and then they travel, and then they train uh, in Seattle, and then they play in Seattle the day after that. Um, so this is to give you an idea of uh, what MLS has decided. One of these games is an Open Cup game, and there's only so many dates you can play, but the rest of it is definitely just bordering on perverse at this point. Um <laughs> The, the league has just decided that uh, United needs to finish its 34-game schedule by, like, August, I guess, and then can just wait until October and then see where you land in the playoffs at that point. I, I don't know what's going on. Um, but anyway, I just wanted that to be out there so that people knew exactly how ridiculous things have gotten. Um, and also to complain because it's it's hard to keep up when we have to keep writing about games over and over again. Every for, day. Forever. Yeah, for forever. Um I'm not an organized person, and I have to leave myself a note to make sure I'm not forgetting the right things because we have so many things to write about that I'll just I'll forget even when trying my best to remember everything. Um, speaking of the next game, it's Chicago Fire tomorrow night. Um, the Fire are technically uh, the last place team in MLS, at least on total points. They've only got 14. Um, they will be missing uh, David Akam. Uh, uh, he's uh, with a hamstring strain. Sean Maloney has a bulging disc in his back. He'll be out. Those are their two most expensive players. Uh, Matt Polster, their Rookie of the Year candidate at defensive midfield, also will be suspended due to yellow card accumulation. Um, they, there is a rumor that Mike McGee will be able to play some part in the game. He's only appeared once all season. But he was um, supposed to play some part in the last DC United versus Chicago Fire game. Yeah, they've been very, like... I guess the Fire's policy has just been he might play, he might not for like a month now. Um, he played one ha- one half of one game on loan with St. Louis in USL um, just to get his legs back, and he made he has made one appearance, but it was for like four minutes. Um, but anyway, the, he, the point is he's not really going to be a major factor, I don't think. Um, so he's not he's not going to replace the guys they're missing. Um, ben, I guess I'll start. I'll go to you this time. Um, when you think of the Chicago Fire this year, what are you thinking of? I mean, all I can think of is Harry Ship. I mean, he's the only real thing they have. I mean, that Ship Cray. Yes, exactly. I mean, Ibaganike is pretty decent, but he hasn't been able to turn his pretty decentness into actually, you know, putting balls into the net where they go, and so. You can't count on him to do that, and yeah, it's it's all Harry Ship, and he can be ridiculous. He can be amazing. He can be a young version of Mike McGee, but with nobody else around him, and with their two most expensive players uh, out due to various reasons. We keep saying this: United should win, but you know, sometimes things happen, like they do against the Chicago Fire or the. Philadelphia Union. 
Leanne, uh, I, I guess same question, but now that Ben has taken Harry Ship off the table, you're going to have to think of something else. So really rack your brain and come up with some other Chicago Fire thing to talk about. Um, well, mostly I, I think about their one and only chance, which is just the word fire over and over again. It's, it is pretty much a uh, Beavis and Butthead uh, homage, I like to think of it that, as. That's like what I think of when I think of them. Um, Even though we did start this podcast by talking about burning stuff. Yeah. So we fire, are fire, fire. We just weren't repetitive about it. Fire. Like, that's it. Um, I think, whatever. That's what I think of when I think of Chicago. But when I'm thinking about this game, I think what concerns me is that like Ben said, we've had these things where we're like, oh, yeah, we should definitely win, and then we just don't. Um, and I think the concern for me in this one is that it's a road game, um, and I'm not that confident in our abilities on the road right now. Yeah, it's um, the uh, – I believe United's goal-scoring total on the road this season is four. Uh, they've only given up, like, seven goals away, but um, – you're not going to win very often if you've only... And keep in mind, two of those came in Vancouver. Um, so the other six road games have two between them. Um, so that, that's that got to change. Um, and it's kind of difficult when you've played, I think it's just over 72 hours previously, and you have another game, like, 60-something hours in the future. Um, I'm now reducing it to hours at this point because that's how many games DC United has to play. It's not worth making talking about days. Um it's actually that close together. Um, the one, the thing I would I would focus on with Chicago is that the defending hasn't been very good for them. They are going to be well rested. They're missing um, the players. They're missing are more of an impact on the offensive end, though they don't really have a replacement for Polster. Um, Chris Ritter, a homegrown player for them, will probably play, but he's not very good at this point in his career. He's still young, um, commits a lot of fouls, and. I think he wants to have a lot of the ball, but he's not necessarily qualified to be on the ball that often. Um, so that might be an area for United to focus on is is trying to attack down the middle. Um, Jeff Lorenowitz has been doing his best to sort of keep it together with those guys, but there's not a lot going on around him. Um, Eric Gehrig, I guess, is okay. There's a lot of okay with the fire, but in MLS, if your whole roster is – if you've got one good player and everyone else is just okay – um, you end up near the bottom of the standings. I mean, they could put Austin Berry... Oh, wait. No, I, I assume that Austin Berry is having an awesome time playing in Korea. Um, I, I hope he's uh, immersing himself in the culture and is just very happy to not be in Chicago or Philadelphia anymore. Like, maybe he kicks the MLS standings and is like, oh, I'm doing Stop something else. Yeah, this is great. Yep, um, the lowest team on points and the lowest team on points per game. Right, and, and also just... just it's not just because they're bad on soccer. It's, it's There's just chaotic mismanagement in both cities. Frank Yallop and Jim Curtin. That's right. Uh, <laughs> that's that's really all you need to say. Um, the other thing with Chicago, even though um, a com is out, is that there's still speed there. Um, I assume they might move um, – assume they might is kind of an awkward way to put it, but – there's a big possibility that they will move Jovin Jones up from left back. And whenever they've done that, he's actually been pretty effective going forward. Um, it's, I would imagine they want to sign a left back so they can just play him in the midfield more often. But I, you know, I can't really figure out the Chicago fire. I feel bad to a certain extent for some of their fans because they also clearly cannot figure out this, this Chicago fire. Um, 
the guys at Hot Time and Old Town write a lot. It's almost like they're begging for the fire to just get something right so they could feel better about life. Um, it's just one. They're just having one of those years where they spend a lot of money and it doesn't. It doesn't really make any sense. They made um, so many changes in the off season. They did, and they were a bad team. So to that, to on some level, that makes sense, and it's nice but, for them to have spent money. But you have to do also, it correctly. Hashtag DCU twenty thirteen. Well, we didn't spend very much money. Uh, yeah, exactly, but but that, but then we became a good team in fourteen. That's true, and maybe maybe that's the plan is to just like stumble into all that that uh, delicious allocation money. Um, the fire did advance in the open cup, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got that. They can win. That's still up in the air for them. I um, mean, can the, happen. There's still an open. There's still an extra time from their last game, probably. <laughs> the 2013 so they, so semifinal they, <laughs> continues. It continues. time continues, despite the fact that several players in that game have retired. Uh, several DC players have retired. Uh, I think I can think of three right off the top of my head: Dero, Thorington, Daniel Wollard are all no longer playing professional soccer, uh, and they were all in that game. And yet the game continues. Uh, Probably sick of playing in stoppage time, so they just stopped playing soccer. Yeah, they just like guys. I have to go. I have I have the rest <laughs> like, of my. I gotta life continue with my life. Like I, I can't support the family like this if this game never ends. Like no, it's it's time for me to leave. The rest of you can stay here. Um, but anyway, um, this is a the, – the Fire is a team that United should beat when they're this short of players, but the schedule has has made it, it – it's a good time to play the Fire in that they are in their situation, but it's a bad time to be playing anyone when you just played in um, borderline inhumane conditions and uh, you have to do that again. And, and the fact that United had to come back to win that game means they probably put a lot of, a lot of work in a lot of energy into that one. Um, we might see... This might be of the games, of the five games in 13 days, that this is the second of those. This might be the biggest rotation of all. This might be much more of the Pittsburgh lineup than in, than the other games. Especially, I don't imagine they're going to go to Seattle and send out the B team in that game. Not necessarily because of the supporter shield, but just because... Being realistic, you send that game, you send that team out in Seattle, you're probably going to get annihilated, um, because it's it's you know the Sounders are what they they're up there for a reason. They don't give up goals. Their their attack is so good that they actually intimidate teams into not attacking them, and so their defense has a low goals against because they don't have to defend that much because teams are terrified of them. Um, so that's kind of that's the end. Of, of course, that's the last game in this and the last five games in what was it five and fifteen. Um, the last game in that was the Toronto game in which DC just did not have the energy to compete much longer than the early stages, um, which is a nice and completely accidental segue into the next game for DC United, which is at Toronto FC. Um, Toronto is uh, actually somehow maybe the most likely challenger to DC in the East at this point, which is utterly bizarre given that their history is not making the playoffs ever no matter what. Um, is this real life? It's puzzling, and I feel like the fans in Toronto are also puzzled. There's a lot of, like, hesitantly, like, uh, we might be okay. I don't... I but don't, they're they, still not. They, I, it, I completely understand Toronto FC fans not committing to emotionally investing in this team's success until there's, like, a mathematical uh, certainty of playoff qualification. Because over the years, the, the fates have been... Uh, 
extraordinarily cruel to Toronto FC fans. Uh, even even the fact that they are owned, a lot of those fans are Toronto Maple Leafs fans, and the owners of the two teams are the same. And the Maple Leafs have a long, long, long tradition of being horribly managed and missing the playoffs. Um, so for these people, there's no escape in a lot of cases. You spend your whole summer following a team that's not going to the playoffs because, in part because of ownership, and then that same ownership owns the hockey team that is supposed to carry you through the winter. Um, so it's still strange. It's it's very strange to see Toronto actually be an effective team, but uh, Sebastian Giovinco has turned out to be an excellent signing. Um, when he's when he's on, he's pretty much unstoppable. Um, which is as, as we found out. Right. I think we found out more than anyone else in the league this season because we, despite the tiredness of that game, despite the lack of chances for a long period of time. United probably wins that game if any MLS player other than Giovinco is in that position. Um, he's, the two goals he scored were absolutely ridiculous. Um, and it sort of, I mean, Toronto played a competent game that day. The, the, the diamond clogged the midfield effectively, but it still entirely relied on one player to do everything for them on offense, which in MLS, when the player's good enough and the rest of your team is just coherent and doesn't do anything stupid, it can actually carry you pretty far. Um, I guess the first thing that uh, I'm going to throw, I'm going to throw to you, Leanne. Um, when you, when you remember the, the game against Toronto FC, it, what, what's the one thing you want to see change this time from the last game? Oh my God. I, well, I want to other than, other than saying like Giovinco misses the game for like food poisoning or something. Um, yeah. Well, well, I was going to say, I want us to win. Um, I was gonna say before you More ask me, like, a highly question. Highly controversial, uh, yeah, again. I, yeah, I know, I'll really bring it. Um, I was gonna, before you ask me a real question, I was just gonna say that I think my prediction is gonna be that they came here and beat us, so we're gonna go there and beat them, what up? Um, but what do I want to see? To be honest, I don't remember what happened in the Toronto game, um, except that we lost. How did we play? Were we good? No? We were slow. Okay, we did we take the faster. lead. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what happened in that game, except that we lost, and I didn't like it. Giovinco pounded us. I remember Giovinco, obviously. We were def- we were okay reg- besides that, but we just got yeah. pounded. I think, I think, yeah, we can give Giovinco food poisoning from, like, a kind of, like, a questionable poutine, maybe. A raw and- hot smoke. Yeah, or that, and then he won't play, and then we'll be like okay again, and then we'll score more goals than they do, and then we'll win. All right, that's the plan. Uh, I should be the coach. Uh, Sebastian Giovinco, if you listen to the show, um, watch out, watch your meals, hire no, hire no, a teacher. No, no, don't have a half smoke. <laughs> Try this half smoke. I'm sure you're very familiar with them from your time in Italy. Um, where they're very common, I'm sure. Um, I kind of like the idea of a wealthy MLS player doing something like hiring a taster, like it's uh, the Middle Ages, and he has to worry about uh, castle intrigue rather than, you know, the everyday concerns of a professional I mean, soccer player in 2015. Doesn't, doesn't NYCFC just uh, employ a whole host of professional tasters? I imagine uh, that, like, Pirlo will definitely have, like, a taster... He's probably got it just to make sure he's not eating anything that is not uh, elegant and sophisticated, uh, but not in like a jerk way. Um, it's just like he—he's like I, I can't, I can't do it if it's not 
smooth and and suave. It's got to be like a certain standard. Mix probably has like a shampoo tester, to like make sure that it's okay before he puts it on his. Maybe he makes hair. it. Maybe he makes his own. Yeah. Like, I could see him like spending the time to make his own. He doesn't have time. He's too busy writing his poetry. What are you talking about? And tending to his feral cat. And like trying to date Julie Justin. I think yeah, that's a little awkward. Yeah. Isn't she already dating another professional athlete? Yeah, I think she has a boyfriend. I don't I don't really follow the women's national team's personal lives that closely, but I feel like she's probably spoken for by some other guy. I think she is. Right? I was yeah. told she had a boyfriend. And right. So I, I feel like Nix needs to take his, his hair care conditioning uh, hair and focus his attentions elsewhere or on making his own shampoo and then making a commercial for that shampoo and showing us how uh, doing the, the hair swish that you see in every hair care commercial. I think he would be amazing at that, um, probably better than at soccer. He's, he's a pretty good soccer player, but he'd probably be even better at hair care commercials. I don't know about his shampoo making skills, but the commercial side he could definitely nail. Um what I I'm I'm gonna bring it back to soccer now, real actual soccer, not just players and their habits. Um, something that I've noticed uh, apparently in the last speaking of New York at uh, City FC, um, their last game they beat Toronto, and Toronto is very upset with some physical play that they feel they endured, including Damian Perkis, who fans who fans may remember Damian Perkis uh, shoving and kicking Fabian Espindola for 90 minutes at RFK. Um, he is complaining about the various fouls that he had to incur against uh, NYCFC, which I think is absolutely hilarious, and I hope he gets absolutely no joy out of this whatsoever. Um, if anything, I hope he gets suspended for a game for complaining um, because you don't get away with shoving and kicking someone for 90 minutes and then get to complain. You have to either pick you have to pick like a life of shoving and kicking all the time or you get to complain about suspensions because you were over, people were overly physical with you. But you shouldn't complain while you are also a merchant of that kind of style. I don't so think you, wanna, you can get suspended for complaining, though, can you? Uh, I don't know. We might find out with Abby Wambach uh, and her accusations against the referee. All of this show is funneling Ooh. towards the women's national team. Uh, it's, it's actually working out very well, and this was none of this was planned. Um, ben, I, I guess... Um, my question for you is just, uh, I did not really, in all honesty, I didn't have time to write out Toronto FC notes beyond Perkis um, equals goon uh, to remind myself to bring up how I don't like him. Um, when you think, I will say this, uh, and I'll, uh, maybe this is the best way to ask it. Um, last time we played Toronto, no Michael Bradley and five minutes of Josie Altador. This time, both of them may be there, um, depending on whether they are hauled in for the Gold Cup immediately or if they're allowed to play one more game and then fly out. Um, what are you looking for for United? Assuming, assuming Toronto plays their best team, what are you looking for from United to, to deal with that rather than just Giovinco? I mean, yeah, if Michael Bradley's there, it obviously puts an even bigger hamper on DC United's central midfield, which has been suspect throughout this whole season so far. But regardless of their midfield, I think that their defense is bad enough that DC United should be able to put pressure on them. DC United should be able to score off of them. And if they, I mean, their midfield problem is kind of playing to their hand here. They've been trying to bypass the midfield a lot uh, so far this season. And if they bypass Toronto FC's midfield, they can 
just put pressure on the back line and hopefully get some joy there. It's not a great overall strategy, but it may actually perversely serve them in this game. I think it's it's probably pretty likely, given that Davey Arnold is suspended against Chicago, uh, that he'll cycle back in. So we, we aren't going yeah, to yeah, see yeah. Kitchen and Halstead. It'll, it'll probably be Kitchen and Davey Arnold. Um, I think the the general idea of bypassing the diamond is, is a pretty good one because we tried to... I, I think we were a little too slow of thought. We tried bypassing it and just weren't very clever about it, and our attempts to play through it at RFK were just too slow, but that whole game was too slow. Um, so I think this time what, what United needs to do is um, get the ball out to the wings quickly, force uh, the diamond, their diamond to stretch out. The, the modern diamond is no longer... Um, for, for DC United fans that have been around forever, you might remember the diamond that Bruce Arena played. That was in, that was in the 90s uh, where you could get away with playing a diamond where your wide midfielders actually stayed out to the to the touchline a lot and just leave one defensive midfielder to do everything. Um, those days are gone. Uh, you can't get away with that. It's just too large of a gap, um, and teams will will rip you apart uh, if you if you don't play it more narrow. Um, Toronto's pretty disciplined. If anything, they're a little conservative. Uh, Warren Craval playing right midfield for them. Uh, Craval's past career is playing defensive midfield or right back, so he's definitely not a an attacking player. Um, Colin Warner might play on the left if Jonathan Osorio is is away with the because of the Gold Cup roster for Canada. He might be called in. Um, Warner has played mostly defensive midfield in his MLS career, so. Um, it's it's definitely to the be- the benefit of DC to play this game down the wings rather than through the middle, um, which actually kind of suits the four four two to a certain extent because we don't have to rely on a central. Pl- There's no central playmaker to rely on, um, and Fabian Espindola uh, makes that even more pronounced because he tends to playmake by going wide and uh, getting high up the field. So if they can find him, he was not in uh, or he was he did play against Toronto, but he was on short rest like most of the team and wasn't really uh, at his best, unlike the last game. Um, The main thing, though, is if this game is played in the middle of the field a lot, it's not going to go well. Um, If Michael Bradley's on the ball, assuming that Toronto talks uh, U.S. soccer into letting him stick around, um, that's a problem. Um, And Altidore is still pretty good. I mean, I know he has his detractors, but at an MLS level, you're not really going to find a better target forward. Um, this is a league where Alan Gordon is regularly successful. So um, Josie Altidore is going to be difficult to deal with regardless of who is playing central defense, whether Bobby Boswell gets rested, um, whether Birnbaum, hashtag Birdbaum, is uh, rested. Some, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a tough game. Um but on the same, the same, or I guess the the flip side of that is that Toronto's defense is not very strong. Um, a lot of their player, Perkis is pretty good despite his unlikable qualities, uh, but the rest of the defense is not that great. Um, the goalkeeping situation, Toronto FC fans are really happy with the, the um, Chris Kanopka and Joe Bendik, but the fact is that they're mostly happy with them because the past goalkeeping has just been incompetent. So the fact they have some acceptable goalkeepers is like, wow, this is great. Kanopka smash. Yes. Uh, Kanopka has gained the reputation as Captain Caveman due to his beard and general, 
general way of carrying himself, I guess. Uh, he just sort of has a caveman's bearing, um, which is kind of amusing. Uh, our friends at Vocal Minority are very big boosters of the fact that he is Captain Caveman. Um, it's a pretty so, good hashtag. Yeah, I, I mean, mostly it's the beard, I, w- I would think. Um, the beard certainly... If he was clean-shaven, they would not be calling him Captain Caveman, I don't think. He would just be a guy that smashes into people sometimes. But he's kind of a reckless goalkeeper. Um, there's a reason he bounced around in MLS. He was a third stringer in New York and a third stringer in Philadelphia, which this was before Philly had their 800 goalkeepers. This was back when they had a normal goalkeeping situation. Um, before they, I guess, they did some drugs and lost their mind and ended up with a, the preposterous situation they have today um, where their starter is an all-loan goalkeeper and they have another guy who himself is better than that guy, but is they've loaned him away and can't bring him back. And Rice and Bull, he is still on the team, etc. Um, that, that and that, the thing is, I've only just scratched the surface of Philadelphia's goalkeeping situation. Anyway, uh, we will move on now to the Women's World Cup, where the U.S. national team has advanced, uh, perhaps in spite of themselves, uh, to the quarterfinals. They beat Colombia two nothing last night. Uh, after a pretty flat first half, uh, almost immediately in the second half, uh, Colombia's goalkeeper Perez was given a red card for a foul on Alex Morgan. Um, the referee had a tough, not so much a tough decision on the red card, but had to make a tough decision on whether it was a penalty kick or not. She awarded the penalty, which Abby Wambach uh, promptly blasted several yards wide, by, in part because she was taking a penalty kick with her, her weaker foot for, uh, for reasons. Also, um, she should have just chipped the ball up to her head and then headed it in. Oh, you can't do that, though. You can't touch it twice. Yeah, Ben. You and can't, he would find a way. What you can do on penalty kicks, and this is something that I can't believe is never tried uh, very often, you can just sort of touch the ball to the side and, and have a player run onto it and score because it's a direct free kick just like anything else. It's just no one can encroach on you and enter the box. As long as that player does not encroach into the box, it's a legal thing to just square the ball and have someone else run on and score. Wait, that would totally work, because everyone pro- would be so confused. The goalkeeper right. would be like, what is happening? Everyone else would be like, what is happening? So if just what? you and the person who's going to kick it, like, agreed that that's what you were going to do, and didn't tell anybody, like, didn't, don't even tell the rest of your team, right. just, like, do it, that would work. One thing you have to worry about is the referee uh, calling it back because of confusion. Like, that play is so confusing that the referee might be like, no, nah, that doesn't count. I don't like it. Um, and then you, you're like, no, it, that was legitimate. He's like, well, but I called it back already, so it, it can't count now. So, sorry. Okay, um, you can also tell the referee before the game, like, hey, if you give us a penalty, right. this is uh, what we're going to do. It's allowed. When I, when I was a little kid, uh, one thing we did briefly was – for like half a season before referees just told us to never do it again. Was Chase the ball around in a giant group? No, no, this was we were a little older than that, than that age. Um, but when taking throw-ins, we would just have someone come very close, and you would just sort of go over your head and just drop the ball towards your feet, and uh, then your, player, your, your teammate would just run off with it. Because as long as you do the throw-in motion, it doesn't matter that you haven't thrown it far. You, if it falls out of your hands, it's technically a real throw-in. We would actually, which as, is more than professional soccer players can accomplish, apparently, because they get called so throws. many foul throws this year. I love their uh, favorite. But anyway, what what, ha- what you have to do to make sure that that is allowed is when you send your little ten year old captain up to the referee for the coin toss, you have to ask the referee if if he's going to let it happen. Like we do this thing on a throw in, and you explain it to him, he's like, "Well, I guess that's legal." 
because uh, otherwise the referee is just, no, that, that can't be a legal throw, and that's no good. Um, so the idea was abandoned soon thereafter. It was like, this is too confusing for everyone. Um, but in any case, um, back to the U.S. Uh, women's team, it has nothing to do with uh, what I did when I was 10. Um, <laughs> Alex Morgan scored soon thereafter. Not kind similar of similar tactics, though. Uh, there were probably some awkward shots from, from bad angles that the goalkeeper uh, smashed into her own goal because of uh, bad positioning, as Alex Morgan uh, succeeded with. Um, kind of a hard shot and low, but uh, Colombia's backup goalkeeper, Castaño, who's actually the third goalkeeper they used in the competition, uh, diving back into her goal. And it ended up... It, it, I don't know that Morgan's shot was even going in. It might have theoretically been an own goal, but no one brought it up. Um, in any case, the ball was in, so the U.S. scored. Um, a few minutes later, they committed another penalty, and this time Carly Lloyd took the penalty and converted it in a fairly conventional fashion, which, you know, maybe is an advisable thing when taking penalties, is just take do this simple thing simply and watch it work. Um, and from there, the U.S. didn't really get troubled. Colombia was down to 10. They had one forward. They weren't really able to do much. Um Hoopsol, I think, made one significant save throughout the course of the game, and yet, despite the shutout, despite the relative ease of the victory, we're all kind of left uh, not feeling very positive. Um, Leanne, well, it doesn't, uh, yeah. Well, let me, let me interrupt just okay. real quick. Speaking of penalty kicks, I just going back to United. I just want to appreciate Chris Rolf and his short but direct run up on penalty kicks, and I just want to say that I love it. Noted. Okay. Duly noted. That's all. Uh, I, I'm of the opinion that you should do whatever uh, works for you, but probably if if you what you think works for you is very complicated, you should stop that. There's got to be a certain line. Like um, like Kenny Cooper. Yeah, Kenny Cooper's uh, multiple hit, hitch in his step uh, approach. Probably actually, the funny thing is Cooper's penalty kick record in the rest of his games uh, in MLS is exquisite. Against DC United, it's terrible. He's got, like, one for four, whereas the rest of his career, he's, like, like lights out. Like, he's a guaranteed scorer. All of his misses are against us, which is bizarre because it happened in dramatic circumstances for Portland and for New York. But anyway, um, Leanne, uh, just generally, why watching this game would you have felt not so great despite the win? Well, it's not even just this game. I feel like it's every game that they've played in the tournament, so that includes... Obviously, there are three group games. I don't think any of them have been particularly uh, confidence-inspiring. Uh, it certainly doesn't help that Jill Ellis... It all comes back to Jill Ellis. So she doesn't really seem to understand the game of soccer or, like, how she should play her players. And so we end up with just some really odd things happen. We've also had some really odd substitutions um, and they've usually been, like, late ones, so it's kind of like, eh, it's a sub, but they're still weird. Um, and Are it, you talking about the, the third game in which um, Christy Rampone and Shannon Box were given yeah, some appearances just because? Yeah, maybe. I could be talking about that. <laughs> um, so weird. Uh, but we, like, she's played, so she kind of finally decided to play Tobin Heath, but then she also has played Morgan Bryan, not in the right posi- position. Um, she continues to play Lauren Holiday, obviously, in the wrong position. Um, and Kristen Press has been on the wing. She should really be up top, but it's like, oh, we'll just put her on the wing. Um, so, like, none of, none of this makes really any sense. And I, 
I look for I really do. I look forward to Friday's quarterfinal because we're gonna be missing Lauren Holiday and Megan Rapino because of yellow card accumulation. So that's not great. Um, and I just I don't know what she's gonna do with her line. I just feel like we're gonna get something so weird. Just like so weird. Yeah, it's 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 entirely possible that the lineup will just be baffling. Um in the, the the lineup is already baffling, so at this point, it's the sky's the limit. Um, you can't you can't talk you can't think that nothing is. They're like, oh, that can't happen. It could happen. Hope so. Um, right mid. Yeah. Right. You, you never know um, with this team. Um, you mentioned the yellow cards. Um, the two players booked for the Americans, uh, both uh, Rapino and Holiday, were on yellow card uh, warning because they had gotten one yellow card in the other games. Because you get, you get two and you are suspended. Um, thank you, FIFA, for this wonderful rule that everyone loves. Everyone loves to see players suspended and not playing. Um, and so uh, Jill Ellis uh, is going to have to figure out who her defensive midfielder is on a team that already didn't have defensive midfielders. Um, uh, yeah, she she is currently tearing it up for the Washington Spirit and, and making fun uh, videos during crazy rain delays. Um it might be more fun to watch her be uh, playing for the national team, um, but the Spirit are using her as a forward, and it's pretty much she just appears to be able to play anywhere because she's successful at all of these positions. Um, might be useful in a situation where you've lost two starters to yellow card suspension, but uh, we can't fix that despite our many, many complaints. Um, <laughs> Rapino on the other flank, I'm guessing, is just going to be replaced by Heath, uh, moving over, and then they'll just have to figure out a right midfield solution. I which, mean, if, despite, if I, can we all agree that it should be Heather O'Reilly, and it's not going to be Heather O'Reilly? Yeah, no, it's it it's should be. Like, I feel like it no, should I mean, be, and it's gonna be like it's gonna be like press probably, or, or like I mean, if you just put in Crystal Dunn at, and said she was Heather O'Reilly, no one would know the difference. Well, I mean, we would know. Really know, but Jill Ellis might not know. Uh, because she may have forgotten Heather O'Reilly is on the team. She may be consistently like... Wait, who are you have, she definitely has forgotten Heather what? O'Reilly is on the who team. Who is this woman that keeps traveling with us? Is she on, like, the PR team? Does um, she play for no, her? No, like, what no, it turns this? out she's actually an incredibly good soccer player who you should be playing uh, in, in soccer games. She's probably Please. like, who keeps crashing all of our meals and, like, sitting on the bus with us? Right. It's so weird. <laughs> we do, like, warm-ups and she joins the team? It's crazy. Um, Please... For the love of God, put in Heather O'Reilly. But obviously, I don't think Jill Ellis listens to this podcast. We're not going to. Uh, we're not going to get through to her. I don't think here. She went um, to my college. Maybe she listens just for that connection. Yeah, it could be. Um, I no. doubt that. But uh, maybe for whatever reason, she's decided that she wants to listen to podcast by somebody that went to college after her many many years after her. I mean, I graduated exactly twenty years after her. Okay, maybe she's obsessed. She has a real tight. I don't. I'm trying to help you make this connection, Ben, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. No, it's um, not. It's it's really not. But uh, since we're talking, Ben, uh, who do you want to see step into Holiday's role, given that the team doesn't really have anyone cut out for the job in the first place? I mean, I would like Holiday, who's being being played badly I mean, out of position. Yeah, exactly. I mean, given what's on the roster, I would like to see Morgan Bryan given a chance at central midfield in a deeper role. I think if you're going to play somebody in a deep role in central midfield, which you kind of have to, uh, I think she's the best bet that you've got. 
playing her alongside Carly Lloyd, with Lloyd allowed to go forward. I mean, I'd rather have Holiday allowed to go forward and Lloyd on the bench, but if if Ellis insists on playing a four four two, but which which she does, which and, she does, obviously, no, there are very no few people, other ways to play soccer. Right, very few people have ever insisted on anything more than Jill Ellis insists that this team has to play four four two. Right, exactly. So, given all of that, given that Holiday and Rapino both, I would, I would, I would like to see Rapino in central midfield too. I mean, she's good on the wing, but she's probably good in central midfield too. She's suspended. I know, I know how she's suspended. Just, just generally, you like this here. Yes, I was saying, given that both of them are suspended and can neither of them can play central midfield, uh, Carly Lloyd is the next best bet. She's a fine player, uh, and she's good in the middle and good going forward. So let's see her next to Morgan Bryan and maybe play some actual wingers on the wing, maybe? Maybe just... It's asking for a lot. Try no. that one out there. <laughs> no, not going to happen. <laughs> No, I, I do think Brian will be. I, I mean, Ellis has more or less said that she expects to be playing Brian, which is a weird coach speak of saying I've already made up my mind and it will be Morgan Brian as long as she doesn't get injured. Um, it's not really where she belongs either, but that's what happens when you bring in three number tens and no number sixes. Well, you bring in Shannon Box as your only number six, but she's too old to actually play ninety minutes. Um, when you have a lead, I can totally see Ellis like starting Box anyway. <laughs> It would be kind of amusing if she was like, I'm going to play Morgan Bryan. And then uh, to trick China, who don't, you don't have to trick China to beat them, but to trick them, she plays Shannon Box instead. And Morgan Bryan, I guess, ends up on the wing, which has happened. Is not a good idea, but it has happened. Along with, I, I think we did this on our own internal um, chat forum. I, I think I counted six different right midfielders who have played minutes at right midfield for the U.S. Or I shouldn't say six right midfielders. I've counted six people who have played right midfield, regardless of whether they are right midfielders or not. Uh, O'Reilly is not among them because she's one of the three players who have not played a minute uh, in this tournament, um, which is – or are three field players, I should say. The backup goalkeepers haven't played, obviously, but um, nonetheless, Do it's something – play right mid? Yeah, d- don't you worry. Uh, I hope Ashlyn Harris gets to play right midfield because at least then uh, we'll be entering, like, we'll be going beyond, like, frustrating and just be like, okay, fine. Clearly you don't care about this position and you're just going to play players who have never played here and are much better somewhere else and don't even play as field players at this point. So, you know, go all in if you're not going to play a right midfielder. Yeah, just I go forgot all in to tell play. you guys that, like, I've gotten a call-up to the national yeah. team and I'm <laughs> flying up to Canada tomorrow. Like, after the show? Yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I got to finish packing, and then I'm going to go play midfield. So there you go. We're, we're breaking news. Um, Leanne Elston will be suiting up at right midfield despite not being registered with the team. But no, she, not being, not being gonna, with the team. She's going to be playing central midfield, and Morgan Bryan will be playing right midfield. I can oh. do anyone. It doesn't matter, as long as it's right. a 4-2. Well, it will be. Don't worry about that. Um Actually, the U.S. did briefly play uh, 4-2-3-1, uh, which only served to make me more upset because we got to see Lauren Holiday play higher up the field for, like, what, let me, let me pull my notes here when I noticed it. I believe it came in the 81st, the 81st minute when Allie Krieger was subbed out. They moved some people around. Um, and it just served to emphasize that Lauren Holiday, she sort of sprung to life for those few minutes. Um, I think maybe on some level she realized this was her one chance. If she could get, like, three assists in nine minutes, maybe she would uh, be able to change, move the needle at least. 
But uh, it didn't work out because it turns out when a team is bunkering, it's hard to get three assists in nine minutes. Also, when your teammates are no longer motivated to chase the game because they're winning 2-0, um, and most of them haven't had a minute's rest because why rotate your entire roster in a World Cup? Um, <laughs> there's a lot There's a lot wrong, clearly, um, and it just keeps being maddening. Um, and I know there's an argument out there that uh, – well, they're winning games and they're not conceding goals, so great. Uh, I can't complain because they're, fo- they're, they're winning, so what's there to complain about? Uh, what's the com- it, it's the process of what you're – like, if you lift weights and you lift weights all wrong and you have, you know, lifting coaches will tell you to lift this way and you're just doing whatever you want and you get the weight up, it's great. But at a certain point, someone's going to put more weight on your back than you can lift and your dumb process is going to fail and you're going to injure yourself. Um, that weight is represented in this case by Germany or France, who are uh, a game in the future, uh, assuming that they can get past China. That's what's waiting, is two of the best teams in the world will play each other, and one of them will be waiting for the U.S., and I'm sure they've got plenty of tape. France has actually played the U.S. several times this year again in this formation, um, and lost one of those games, but also completely outclassed the U.S. in the other one. Um, so there's plenty of evidence that the semifinal is where this is all going to go wrong. Um, and winning games against teams you should beat is, it's not even great. It's just what you should do. Um, but you want to get the process right. You don't just want to win because, or in spite of your flaws that, that points to losses. Eventually, you know, that when you keep doing the wrong thing, eventually you'll pay for it. Um, especially in soccer, which is already, you can do the right thing 100% of the time in soccer and still lose because it's a uh, cruel, uh, mean-spirited sport at its heart. Um, so if you're doing the wrong thing and you keep winning, uh, you're just playing with fire at that point. Like, you don't want to pay the rent by going to play blackjack. You would like to pay the rent by getting a stable job that sends you money, uh, and then you can pay, and you know, like, oh, I won't be homeless tomorrow because I didn't win at the tables tonight. You so uh, many these- metaphors. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this last night uh, after I got frustrated enough with um, Cat Whitehill said something and I immediately got up and poured myself a drink. Um, and I had some time to ponder uh, what was going on with this team and I came up with multiple metaphors. I'm only using two of them. Um, but no, you, you you don't want to be with the rent due tomorrow. You don't want to be sitting in a casino gambling to, to pay that, that bill tomorrow. Um, and the U.S. feels a little bit like somebody who can't who can't find another way to do it, um, despite having all the gifts in the world to get many different jobs that would all be high-paying more than enough to pay the rent uh, and leave plenty left over. We're still like, uh, well, this is you know this is working. So what am I going to complain about? I think the so like yes to all of that, especially the metaphors. Um, but <laughs> I think we sort of so. So people are like, why are, you, why are you complaining when we're winning? You know, obviously we're advancing. It's like, well, one, because I like to complain. And two, <laughs> because of all that, because of this process, it's like, yeah, we're winning, but it's not a good process, and it's maybe not the way we should be winning, and it's not a way that necessarily will get us wins against better opponents. But at the same time, I can absolutely see us winning the World Cup and playing not very good soccer, and just somehow, in the end, just winning with, like, I don't know, Ashlyn Harris at right midfield or something. Like, that would, I, I can goal. totally see that happening. That's because they're that talented that they can get away with it, but uh, it's still one of those things where it's like, 
you don't have to it doesn't have to be like maybe this team will pull itself out of the fire because they have individuals that can do amazing things. Uh, one of those individuals, Rapino, is suspended. She's in fact been the most likely pull this team out of the fire player there during this tournament. And, and now, the last tournament. Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, China will be playing in a bunker. It's what they've done throughout the tournament. They've actually worked very well against the Netherlands, um, who I think start in just a few minutes their their game against Japan. Um, but the the Chinese have been very organized, uh, not really very skillful, but very hardworking, very committed, and their their tactics make sense. Like the, the U.S. is playing a long ball style, but they're not playing it early. It's like let's try and possess, and then after three passes, we'll play a long ball once you've settled in. Um, and then we'll send a long ball where it's like one player versus six. Uh, good luck. Um, and keeping in mind also that Julie Johnston was an attacking midfielder in college, uh, so we have a center back that can play out of the back. Brett, Becky Sauerbrunn has played midfield some sometimes. Um, we don't have to. This does not have to be a long ball team, and it is on top of on top of the formation stuff. There's also like telling your team what you want them to do when they get the ball. Um, and apparently that thing is kick it far. Um, and like away from the goal, like that that other goalkeeper kick it towards her, but not like all the way towards her, so she catches it just somewhere in there. That's not really a good plan, um, or even a plan. It's just sort of a a, a thought a thoughtlet. It's not even a full thought, I don't think. Um, so that's aggravating on top of everything. Is if you want to be a long ball team, then go like be the best long ball team you can be. Um, play Wambach and Sydney Larue and be physical um, rather than trying to, to just say, oh, well, these are the players, but we're going to play a style that has nothing to do with what they're doing. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's aggravating. Uh, I hope the team wins in spite of all of this, but it's very aggravating to kind of see the, see the end coming or see why it's going to come, um, especially when you watch Germany play and, and their, their plans make sense. Um, and and they dismantled Sweden four to one, um, a team that gave the U.S. a lot of trouble and slowed the game down a lot. Germany just ripped them to shreds. Um, that's not really great. Um, that's not encouraging to see coming down the road. Meanwhile, on the other side of the bracket, uh, Japan beats the Netherlands. They're playing um, who? Uh, England, I think. Is it? Is it that they're playing England? Uh, that, anyway, the point of the, that that side of the bracket is terrible. It's Japan, Australia, and teams that wouldn't have gotten out of the U.S. group. So that's also aggravating. It that has nothing to do with Jill Ellis, but um, I'm kind of venting at this point more than actually talking about the show. Uh, you guys want to talk about the the Gold Cup roster or not? We're already know. over an hour. Thank, thank, I don't even know who's on it. I, I'm I'm mad that Bill and Perry aren't on it, but I'm also glad, and that's my only opinion. Yeah, I would. I would. Down with that. I I would get the the one thing I would say is that I kind of still expect them to get called in when the group stage ends, um, especially given that United has the one one and only game during the entire goal, the entire run of the Gold Cup they play once. Um, so it wouldn't shock me at all for them to not play these three group games and then get called in. Um, with Hamid, he could cycle in for Nick Ramondo, um, or William Yarbrough, who continues to get called in despite abundant evidence that he would struggle for a starting job in several MLS cities. And by several, I mean like close to 10. Um, uh, Kitchen, 
you know, maybe he gets called in. Uh, probably not for Beckerman, even though that's probably the best match. Maybe Alfredo Morales gets sent back uh, to Germany and is allowed to go prepare for his upcoming season, and Kitchen comes in instead. Um, but the U.S. is allowed the, the they have to call people from the preliminary roster they feel they sent out two weeks ago. Um, but it's a limit of six. You can't replace everybody, but you can replace six players, and I kind of expect them to use all six. And I still, it would not shock me that Hamid and Kitchen are on that list. But at the same time, reading that roster was very aggravating because there are several players where it's like, but they're not as good as the players you could have called in. Um, at the same time, I don't feel like Bill needs to go off with the U.S. national team just so that Klinsman cannot play him. Right, and with Brad Guzan there. And this being, um, if the U.S. wins the Gold Cup, they don't have to play the extra series against uh, anyone. They get to go to the, um, what's the, the Confederations Cup. Um, because the Gold Cup plays every two years, uh, which we have found out during the FIFA thing, is basically just to give more kickbacks, more opportunities for kickbacks by playing double the number of tournaments. It's it's, it's one of those plans that's like so blatantly obvious, uh, and you wonder for years, like, why does the Gold Cup play every two years? Well, it's so that some guys can get rich. Hashtag traffic. Yeah, traffic sports, rich off of the Gold Cup. Um, so the U.S. won the last Gold Cup, and if they win this one, they don't have to play off for the right to get into the Confederations Cup. If they don't win this one, they'll have to play whoever wins this one later this year. Um, so that, so for certain, they're motivated to win maybe more than they would have. This normally would be the the tournament that sends you to the Confederations Cup and the other Gold Cup was just like the trash Gold Cup. Um, the uh, fake the, the fake Gold Cup, I guess. Uh, the, the Gold Cup that rubs off on your fingers and, and uh, you can tell that it's a fake fake gold and not real gold. It leaves like green on your hands. Right. Um, so uh, they changed that, so at least that Gold Cup counted for something, but uh, the U.S. would rather not play that extra playoff. They'd rather just get in straight up, which is a good a good thing. Um, but in any case, that means Brad Grazan is going to be playing, unless he's unavailable, he's going to be playing every game, which means traveling with the U.S. means, you know, good training sessions and then hanging out. Um, though I will note that we could still see, if, if Hamid gets called in, he could still come back. The tournament's in the U.S. He could still play that middle-of-July game for, for United while playing for the U.S. I know in the last Gold Cup, Nick Romando was was with the U.S. and then flew to RSL to play a game and then went back to the U.S. because it was obvious he wasn't going to be playing. So um, that's a possibility. With Kitchen, less so. Uh, a field player might get thrown in, especially if the U.S. is winning um, or if Beckerman picks up the suspension. He is the MLS, uh, all, the all-time MLS foul leader, so the chances of him getting a suspension are fairly high. Um but in any case, it's still aggravating. Everything with U.S. soccer, soccer is aggravating um, forever, apparently. We're just doomed to minor and major aggravations. Um, I guess we've covered everything. Is that, is that true? Do you guys have anything you want to talk about? Nope. No. There, no, can't, guys? there, there can't possibly be anything we didn't cover. <laughs> Uh, I'm surprised that the show got done in this amount of time. It's already it's long for a normal show, but considering Adam wasn't here to shepherd us on, uh, this is major progress um, for an Adamless show. Um, and enough. also, we didn't really talk about legal advice at all, so he's probably happy about that. But I just brought it up, so now he's unhappy. <laughs> uh, I guess that's it for us. Um, send us your hate mail or your crudely drawn MS Paint drawings. Um, 
via filibusterpodcast at gmail.com or to at filibusterdcu, our, our uh, Twitter handle. Um, oh, wait. We did get a, um, a question. I don't know if you guys want to handle it. Um, it is a, a Twitter question that came during the show. Uh, this is from at Ted D. Meyer. Uh, is it finally time to start a Rolf for MVP campaign? You can answer briefly. Is there already a Rolf for MVP campaign? Is there not already? There's a a Rolf for All-Star games. Oh, 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 that's what I'm thinking of. Um, Because the All-Star voting is done via, like, Twitter and also goals scored in FIFA 16 or um, number of times you bought Chris Rolf's favorite meal at Chipotle. Um, It's very confusing. I'm not even sure how you vote for an All-Star at this point. It's become, there's so many ways to do it that I don't know how to do it. I think it's you the, just have to wear headbands, like, around town, and they kind of find you, and that counts uh, as a vote. We, we did that at the meetup. There was a bunch of us. I know. So I that have that. Be, I, I bring that headband to games. That, should, be, that should count for many votes. I don't know how many, but some number. And not the exact number of people wearing headbands. It should be more or less, but definitely not the same. Because it should be more complicated. Ben? Okay. Do you, do you want the do you want this campaign to begin or no? Yes. Yes. Do you think it's fair that it should begin? Yes. Okay. I agree. Uh, I don't know that he's necessarily an MVP candidate, but he's been Shut pretty up. awesome. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Uh, back to our. Now that I've, now I've completely interrupted the closing of the show, um, I guess we'll be back next week to talk about the four or six hundred games that will have taken place between now and then. Uh, there will be probably more complaints about Jill Ellis's tactics and, and also more complaints about Jurgen Klinsmann, uh, more non-complaints about goats, uh, which we don't, we don't have any issues with goats right now. Um, Their cheese is excellent. They, it is excellent. And if you get like a wood fired pizza, you should definitely ask for goat cheese to be added. It's, it, it adds, it adds to the pizza. Even if yes. you don't like a lot of cheese, you should get some goat cheese on there. Um, and if you're weird about eating goat, uh, there are people like that. Don't don't be that person. It's good. Trust me. Um, and trust Ben. Ben Ben's the one that said it was good. Good. Um, but I guess that's it. Um, I don't have anything else, so I'm just going to stop. Uh, for Ben and Leanne, this is Jason rambling on. Uh, somebody say good night, please. Good night, please.